What Darwin Didn't Know About Sex. Quote, We are not here concerned with hopes or fears, only with truth as far as our reason permits us to discover it. Charles Darwin, The Descent of Man. A fig leaf can hide many things, but a human erection isn't one of them. The standard narrative of the origins and nature of human sexuality claims to explain the development of a deceitful, reluctant sort of sexual monogamy. According to this oft-told tale, heterosexual men and women are pawns in a proxy war directed by our opposed genetic agendas. The whole catastrophe, we're told, results from the basic biological designs of males and females. Men strain to spread their cheap and plentiful seed far and wide, while still trying to control one or a few females in order to increase their paternity certainty. Meanwhile, women are guarding their limited supply of metabolically expensive eggs from unworthy suitors but once you've roped in a provider husband, they're quick to hike up their skirts when ovulating for a quick and dirty clandestine mating opportunities with square-jawed men of obvious genetic superiority. It's not a pretty picture. Biologist Joanne Roughgarden points out that it's an image little changed from that described by Darwin 150 years ago. Quote, the Darwinian narrative of sex roles is not some quaint anachronism, she writes. Restated in today's biological jargon, the narrative is considered proven scientific fact. Sexual selection's view of nature emphasizes conflict, deceit, and dirty gene pools. Unquote. No less an authority than the advice goddess herself, syndicated columnist Amy Alkin voices the popularized expression of this oft-told tale. Quote, There are a lot of really bad places to be a single mother, but probably one of the worst ever was 1.8 million years ago in the savannah. The ancestral women who successfully passed their genes on to us were those who were choosy, about who they went under a bush with, weeding out the dads from the cads. Men had a different genetic imperative, to avoid bringing home the bison for kids who weren't theirs, and evolved to regard girls who give it up too easily as too high risk for anything beyond a roll on the rock pile." Unquote. Note how so much fits into this tidy package the vulnerabilities of motherhood, separating dads from cads, paternal investment, jealousy, and the sexual double standard. But as they say at the airport, beware of tidy packages you didn't pack yourself. Beagle says, As for an English lady, I have almost forgotten what she is, something very angelic and good. 
by the Charles Darwin in a letter from the HMS. Quote, Gentry had to be pitied. They had so few advantages in respect of love. They could say they longed for a kiss from a bouncy wife in a vicar, vicarage garden. They couldn't say she roared under me and clutched my back and I shot my specimen to blazes, says Roger MacDonald, Mr. Darwin's shooter. The best place to begin a reassessment of our conflicted relationship with sexuality may be with Charles Darwin himself. Darwin's brilliant work inadvertently lent an enduring scientific patina, patina to what is essentially anti-erotic bias. Despite his genius, what Darwin didn't know about sex could fill volumes. This is one of them. On the Origins of Species was published in 1859, a time when little was known about human life before the classical era. Prehistory, the period we define as 200,000 years or so, when anatomically modern people lived without agriculture and writing, was a blank slate theorists could fill only with conjecture. Until Darwin and others began to loosen the link between religious doctrine and scientific truth, guesses about the distant past were restricted by church teachings. The study of primates was in its infancy. Given the scientific data Darwin never saw, it's not surprising that this great thinker's blind spots can be as illuminating as his insights. For example, Darwin's ready acceptance of Thomas Hobbes' still famous characterization of prehistoric human life as having been, quote, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short, unquote left these mistaken assumptions embedded in present-day theories of human sexuality. Asked to imagine prehistoric human sex, most of us conjure the hackneyed image of the caveman dragging a dazed woman by her hair with one hand, a club in the other. As we'll see, this image of prehistoric human life is mistaken in every one of its Hobbesian details. Similarly, Darwin incorporated Thomas Malthus's unsubstantiated theories about the distant past into his own theorizing, leading him to dramatic overestimations of early human suffering, and thus of the comparative superiority of Victorian life. These pivotal misunderstandings persist in many contemporary evolutionary scenarios. Though it certainly didn't originate this narrative of the interminable tango between randy male and choosy female, Darwin beat the drum for its supposed naturalness and inevitability. He wrote passages like, The female, with the rarest exception, is less eager than the male. She requires to be courted. She is coy and may often be seen endeavoring for a long time to escape the male. While this female reticence is a key feature in the mating systems of many mammals, it isn't particularly applicable to human beings or, for that matter, the primates most closely related to us. 
In light of the philandering he saw going on around him, Darwin wondered whether early humans might have been polygynists, one male mating with several females. Writing, quote, Judging from the social habits of man as he now exists, and from most savages being polygamists, the most probable view is that primeval man aboriginally lived in small communities, each with as many wives as he could support and obtain, whom he would have jealously guarded against all other men. Unquote. Evolutionary psychologist Steven Pinker appears to be judging from the social habits of man as he now exists as well, though without Darwin's self-awareness, when he bluntly asserts, quote, In all societies, sex is at least somewhat dirty. It is conducted in private, pondered obsessively, regulated by custom and taboo, the subject of gossip and teasing, and a trigger for jealous rage, unquote. We'll show that while sex is indeed regulated by custom and taboo, there are multiple exceptions to every other element of Pinker's overconfident declaration. Baby, you sleeping? <laughs> <laughs>